Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Business Chef Podcast. I am your host, Chef Sean Boucher, and today we're talking to a good friend of mine, imagine that, by the name of Pat Ford, who took a chance a few years ago to quit his job and make cheese. They've, in the meantime, been able to garnish a lot of awards. They made it on to... Uh, top 10 foods list from Oprah. They are one of the top products through Williams-Sonoma, and Pat's just an all-around great guy. So without further ado, let's jump in and talk to Pat and learn about his story, how a guy with very little food background has been so successful in the food industry. I will say that this interview was done in his office and is pretty loud, so it's very real. How about that? Pat, tell me a little bit about how you got in this business and what brought you to this point. Kind of a fun, crazy story. Um, my crazy brother-in-law, Tim Welsh, called me up one day and said, hey, Pat, let's quit our jobs and go make cheese, and I laughed. I was literally on my way to Florida to do some business and um, he said let's talk when you get home and I said I can't wait a week before I we talk so he says let's quit our jobs and go make cheese and and I kind of laughed and and then we talked for a minute and then I got on a plane and went and thought about it a lot and um, we had been talking about doing something in food we didn't know exactly what but we wanted to do something in food Tim was in software and you can't really put your hands on software and I was in real estate development with my dad for 20 years. And he was done, my dad was done, and we actually sold our business. And so I was kind of in between. But it just just all worked out, and we jumped in at a really amazing time. And we were very fortunate there. And the renaissance in cheese in America was happening, just kind of starting. And it's just gone berserk in the last... 10, 15 years in, in the U.S. Well, so you so you were in real estate, um, Tim was in software, so obviously you had to make a living in the meantime, so how did, how did that work? So we knew going into it we were not going to make any money for a while. We thought it was between a year and two years, and it ended up being two years. I remember our first $500 paycheck in December, two years after we started, we thought we were cutting a fat hog and but that 500 continued for another year so it was dang near three years without any income but you know we went into it we convinced our poor family members I don't know how we did it hey do you want to invest in this you'll probably never see any of it again but it's all privately family held close to our chest and um we were able to slave through. Tim and I made every ounce of cheese for the first two, three years of, of work, along with our slave labor kids. Um, they were all young, and they were bagging curds, and then the older ones, they'd go to a farmer's market on Saturday. We were at Park City, and 
Leighton and Ogden and Salt Lake and all over the place and just trying to make a name for ourselves. But we knew it was going to be a while, and sure enough, it was. But we were able to make it through somehow. Well, so here, you started in 2005? Five. Five? Yeah. Okay, so here we are 13 years later. Yeah. And obviously you've done you've done well because we're sitting here talking. Exactly. Uh, but uh, you, you started here at the same facility you're in right now, We right? did. We, um, Utah State, going back a little bit, they were amazing. They helped us develop recipes. They were incredibly in, influential in helping us with design of the plant and all that good stuff. So they were amazing. And we built such that we wouldn't have to remodel after two or three years of being in business. We hoped that we would do well, and we have. Our make facility, our make room, is adequate indefinitely. I mean, we I don't think we'll outgrow our make room. But really? we are only at about, about 30% capacity in the make room right now. I mean, we start at 2 in the morning and finish it. At six at night, but it's our cooler space. Our aging caves is the is the problem, and we've had to continue to grow there. But our make facility, surprisingly, you can do a lot of cheese in a pretty small space. It's yeah, I can I can see that well. And we were talking that I've been up here a few years ago, and you've grown quite a bit just in the time that I've been up here. So. Where, how many varieties or how many flavorings are you offering right now? So really we make um, one cheese, more or less. We make promontory, which is an Irish-style cheddar. The definition of an Irish cheddar is you take whole Jersey cow milk. It's got way more fat in it than a typical cheddar would have. And we make cheese. And again, going back to Utah State, they, helped, they handed us a 40-year-old recipe and asked us if we would commercialize it. So it was a partnership. Um, partnership in that they gave it to us for free which was incredible because you know we have a friend in the business and when we started rubbing crazy things on cheese he said Pat the reason your cheese does so well is you've got such a phenomenal base cheese you're not trying to cover it up with stuff it's a great base cheese so promontory is our base cheese and it's amazing but then we'll take that the day we make it and if we're making barely buzzed for instance the coffee and lavender rub cheese we rub it on it age it and sell it and if we we do that to about about eight different cheeses now so one base cheese eight new cheeses we make curds curds were very important in keeping us in business that was paying the bills up front because you make them today you sell them today versus promontory we made it today and we sold it six months later and we were having to pay our milk bills but we weren't having any income so that was a tough part of it Oh, I believe it. So, so talk a little bit about that, how that came to be, because obviously you're the real estate guy, Tim's the software guy, neither one of you are food guys, but you know, you, you go to Utah State and they hand you a recipe, or how did that work? So Timmy is the brains. He's the operations, finance, all of that stuff, but he happens to be the foodie as well. He, if we're going on a trip, a month before we go, he's planning on what we're eating, and I'm planning on what we're doing. But um, he's the foodie, and so we had a business plan in hand when we met with Utah State. I mean, it wasn't just, oh, oh you, we like you guys. Here's, we'd done well in business, and, you know, business is business. Whether you're chefing or you're making cheese, you've got to have a business mind, and Timmy is that. He, 
keeps us on track that way. And then I was the sales and marketing guy. So I'm out there pushing it. He's back here helping make it and whatnot. But so we had this beautiful white cheese that was amazing. But there's an awful lot of really great white cheeses out there. And another friend of ours, he said there are riches in niches. And so Tim had this crazy idea one day to, it was in like February after we'd started in September. He said, let's rub some coffee on cheese. And I looked at him funny and he looked at me and we laughed a little bit. Like, has that been done? And we're like, I don't know. And he says, you put cream in coffee. Why not coffee on cream? And so he rubbed some coffee and lavender on a piece of cheese. And I actually grabbed a piece of cheese and rubbed some honey and salt on the cheese. And we did two little three-pound wheels of each, put them away. And then in about July, we thought, hey, let's taste that cheese. So we pull it out and we have a family party. And we basically eat two little three-pound wheels at this party. And it was amazing. We loved it. And so... A few weeks later was the American Cheese Society competition in Portland, Oregon. And so we said, let's take this cheese up there and see if anybody likes it, loves it, hates it, get some peer review. So we do. Um, happened, a guy happened by um, Central Market in Texas. They've got amazing, beautiful stores. And he tasted it, and he just kind of, a light went off, and he said, can I have some of that for like holiday and he gave us an order that was like two months worth of solid work for us to do. He said, can you make it? I said, well, we've made six pounds of it so far. And, you know, you know, the saying goes, the harder you work, the luckier you get. I mean, we just had the cards, just the stars lined up. So from that very first batch of cheese that we made of the Barely Buzzed, we didn't know how to rub the coffee on very well in mass form. We grabbed a wheel out. A year later, in Burlington, Vermont, we entered it, and we ended up taking first place with the silly thing and in the category. And people were just shaking their heads like, what are these crazy guys from Utah doing? Don't they know you can't put coffee on cheese? <laughs> and then they tasted it and said, wow. It's, there was one of the judges from England. He talked to Tim one day, and he says, I didn't want to like it. It was so strange, but I had no choice. I loved it, and I gave it the first place. And I mean, it was like, they just, it was so funny because it's not what you do, but why not? Right. If it tastes good. It can't be novel if it doesn't taste good, but if it tastes good, who cares what it is? Right. You're a chef, right? Yeah. So. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, things that come, or creations that come out of necessity than necessarily the the stars aligning and all of a sudden I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this idea and I'm going to try it and hey look it works yeah but you've had a lot of people kind of um, I would say help you out in the sense that um, you've had some very you know you, you call it luck you call the stars aligning but you've had a lot of really good um, reviews and things from some high high-profile people. I think you were saying that Oprah had given it one of her top ten. Right. Foods of the year. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. So obviously after you get some, some buy-in for some people, especially at that level, your business probably took leaps and bounds. It did. I mean, obviously you've got to have a distribution network or else you're, you're done. And so the way we grew that, I mean, we our business philosophy is really simple. It's making friends with cheese. 
that's what we do. Whether it's a chef or a retailer or a customer that buys the cheese, we're making friends with cheese. You've got to make a good product, which we have, thanks to Utah State and thanks to our own crazy innovation. But once you make a good cheese, then it's about doing what you say you're going to do and being friends with people and taking care of them. So we would come to you, you're a chef, and we'd say, hey, who are you buying from? And you'd say, well, I buy from Nicholas or whoever. And then we'd say, and then we'd talk to three chefs in the area, and they'd say, oh, yeah, we buy from Nicholas. Well, okay, let's talk to Nicholas, because that's what everybody likes. And then we'd develop a relationship with them. If we liked them, we liked you, we, all of a sudden we have a partnership born. Um, we have kind of a funny saying that we don't do business with people we don't like. If, they, if they're mean to us and nasty and make my gal cry, then guess what? He can go make someone else cry, and we don't want to do business. So we've got our partners, our distributors, our chefs, our retailers. It's all a big family thing. It's like, get on the phone. If you've got a problem, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Don't just short pay a bill and throw it in the garbage. I need to know that or I can't fix it. Right. And so I had a customer in, in Florida, and they had a, a piece of cheese, and he called me up. He said, Pat, this cheese is bad. And I'm like, okay. When I, we started to research it, it had been sitting in the warehouse for three years. Actually, you know, these things happen. I said, throw it away. I mailed him a new will. I talked to the distributor. They said, oh, I don't know how that happened, and we resolved it. But if I hadn't had a relationship with the chef, he would have never bought again and never called me again. Whereas he's like, Pat, you really need to know about this. This is bad cheese. And, and so, you know, relationships. Well, and I think that's, that says a lot for your business acumen because obviously in real estate and development, you have a lot of relationships, I'm sure. Yeah. And a lot of transactions are based on those relationships because you know about the best deals even before anybody else does yeah. because of those relationships. And I, I think that's something that people in our industry sometimes shortchange. You know, we, we get into our kitchens and we just kind of sit there. You know, we do our thing, maybe we read magazines, but, but I think the networking part is so crucial. I mean, obviously with, with sales and marketing, yeah. that's all you do, right? Well, we got involved with the American Cheese Society organization from the get-go. In fact, Carrie and Timmy went to, Carrie is my sister, Tim's wife, went to Louisville, Kentucky, to the American Cheese Society the year before we started making cheese, just to kind of fill out the industry. But we've been very involved, and when we go to those shows, I have cheesemaker friends that I could call up right now and say, hey, I'm having this problem with my cheese. What the heck? And they'd say, they'd laugh. This actually happened. One of my friends, he started to laugh. I'm like, this is not funny. I've got a problem here. And he said, turn down your press. I had it at 90 PSI, he said, turn it down to 60 and your problem is solved. And I would have never known that in a hundred years. And he's been in the business for 35 years and he was friendly and open enough to tell me how to fix my cheese. And it was all, you know, thank goodness he's done that. And people have done that with us. They'll call up just frantic and I'll, and I'll laugh and I'll say, turn down your press or, or turn your this or that or you need warmer temperature or colder. T anyway, we all work together and it's really a fun collaborative community. Well, and that's so great. I, I think food in general is very collaborative, very endearing, something that we're all, it's a common bond that yeah. we all have, especially when you have that niche that, you, that you've created for yourself, the rub brine cheese. Right. Um, 
who are some of the people that maybe our listeners would be familiar with? Who are you selling to right now? So we sell all across the country, and Whole Foods has been a, a phenomenal customer of ours forever. Smaller independent grocers we've loved because, again, those relationships. You call them up, and you have fun, and you go to dinner when you're at conferences and whatnot. But Harmon's Grocery Store, store here locally, but then even smaller than that, Liberty Heights Fresh. Small little gas station, great grocery store in Utah, and Tony Caputo's. But nationally, we are in just small cheese shops to all the way up to Kroger across the country. So we've had really fun getting, and it's a whole different business model. It's very different the way you do business with the small independent versus the big guys. But it, it all is part of the part of the deal. That's very true. Well, and I, I've. You know, I travel quite a bit, and I'm all over the country, and I've seen your cheese on restaurant menus from places in Baltimore and D.C. to Portland, Oregon, and everywhere in between. In fact, I had a, a burger a couple of nights ago in, um, in Kansas City, Missouri. No way. That had your cheese on it. <laughs> I mean, of all the places. So it's just it's interesting to see how, how a small idea can reach so many people. Yeah. But I think a lot of it comes down to how you approach your business too though. Um, so, you know, with your business model, making friends with cheese, what are the things that you think you do that are maybe different than some of your competitors or some of the things that allow you to do that? Well, we, the rub drying technology came almost out of necessity. Utah in the, the winter can be 2%, 5%, 8% humidity. And in the summer, it's just a dry, arid, high mountain desert, right? And so we could not open air age whatsoever. We tried and it would crack and it was just, it just didn't happen. And so we started experimenting. Uh, necessity was the mother of invention. And we came up with these crazy rubbed rinds, which a lot of people had never even heard of. And all of a sudden, it's something new, exciting, and it tastes amazing. And it's like, okay, I can go to this. This is a funny story, but a friend of ours lived in New Orleans. He was going to visit his aunt in France. She was, an, anyway, ambassador, her husband, something. So Scott goes over to France, and he tells her that she has a surprise for him. And he, t he takes a piece of Barely Buzzed to France. And she says, well, I have a surprise for you. So they both pull out their pieces of Barely Buzzed at the same time. And they were going to delight each other with this find that they had had that was so bizarre that no one would even think of it. And it was just hilarious how that happened. But if you have something fun and exciting and you can go to, if you're a, having a friends over for cheese and wine or something and you pull out something that's delightful, they think you're amazing, but it's like, it's fun. If you make a good product, then the rest takes care of itself. Absolutely. Well, so for you, what's what's next? What are some of the things that you guys are planning on doing in the future? Oh, we always, we, we don't want to end up with 50 cheeses. It's just too hard to manage, and you just don't want a cocktail of the day. I mean, it's just, we want a nice, steady base. But at the same time, um, Harmon's Grocery Store, for instance, for the last several years, they've come in 
and they'll bring in all their cheesemongers and they'll bring in bags of these magical concoctions and we'll take one pound pieces of cheese and we'll rub them up and then we'll forget about them for about a month and then we'll go have a party and we'll taste each other's cheeses and some of them are so bad that you just immediately throw them in the garbage and then everybody razzes each other like who had the worst cheese but now and again there's a blend that is wow and if it's so wow that you say i could sell that to every customer that comes in the door then guess what a cheese is born and we would we'll make that with the people they'll come back we'll make cheese and then they'll sell it for holiday for instance in their own cheese shops with pictures of them making the cheese and so it's like what an easy sell but if we've tried if we've got eight great cheeses we've tried a hundred that to get to those eight that makes sense it's not super simple to do <laughs> well as you continue to grow and evolve and, and bring more customers on and, and move to new markets i'm sure there's challenges in and of that um, from you and Tim, how many employees do you have now? We've got 25 employees, and 12 of those are family. Wow. So it's a dynamic situation, but the cool thing about family is you know what you got. We've right. lived with them for a long time, and they say, they say, Pat, you stay away from QuickBooks and don't do any credit memos because it'll cost me three hours worth of work to figure out what you do. And Timmy doesn't necessarily want to get in an airplane and go sell cheese in Baltimore. So... We all have our own strengths. Um, our kids are totally coming in, and I'm not traveling as much as I used to, which is very nice. And my boy was in New York and Chicago and San Francisco two weeks ago, and so I wasn't. I was home being able to manage a business. So it's been fun. Our kids are rising up from, you know, six years old bagging curds, and now there are our marketing people and our salespeople and our... Wow. HR people and our whatever. So it's been really fun that way. That's cool. Well, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you or wants to find out more about the cheese, what's the best way to do that? Beehivecheese.com. I mean, go to our website and um, get on the website. Our phone number's there. Call us. We absolutely love it. When I, I mean, I'll hand a cheesemonger my card and say, if you ever get a question that you don't know, call me. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, really. I mean, you know, how easy is it to sell something if someone asks you what type of rennet you're using and you're like, well, I'm not sure. Let's call the cheesemaker and find out. I mean, it's all about friends and relationships. So beehivecheese.com. And if you're in, if it's a local, beautiful cheese shop in somewhere that doesn't have it, ask for it. And a lot of times they'll say, yeah, I've heard of that cheese. I'll bring it in. And it's, it's fun that way. That's awesome. Well, thanks for your time today, Pat. I know Thank you're a busy you. guy, and so I'll let you go. But I appreciate you imparting some knowledge for us and our listeners, and I'm sure that you'll probably hear from a person or two. I love it. I, we love our chefs and our people out there that keep us in business. Thanks okay. very much. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone who's when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.